You're listening to Between the Leaves at the Lloyd, a monthly podcast that unearths stories inspired by the collections of the Lloyd Library and Museum, located in downtown Cincinnati. Twenty thousand acres of preserved land, ancient forests and prairies that catch you by surprise, skirt the edges of southeastern Ohio. My name is Elissa Yancey, and I'm standing in the Richard and Lucille Durrell edge of Appalachia Preserve, Ohio's largest privately owned nature preserve. Four of the 11 unique sites within this preserve have already been recognized as national natural landmarks. That's because the edge sits quite literally at the edge of ancient hardwood forests in the east and native prairie grassland to the west. Its boundaries protect more than 100 rare plant and animal species, making it one of Ohio's most significant natural areas in terms of biodiversity. The edge is a dramatic national success story for the Nature Conservancy, but its roots lead right back to Cincinnati. That's where, decades before anyone celebrated an Earth Day, a group of impassioned academics, school teachers, and community members built an unlikely coalition of conservationists that was uniquely qualified to fight for the edge. Together, they wooed landowners and developers to their way of thinking, long before it was trendy to be an environmentalist. That coalition and its work still survives to this day. The group was never given a formal, single, catchy name. Instead, it's always grown via strategic networks and targeted outreach. Just ask Hardy Eshbaugh, professor emeritus of Miami University, Ohio, and honorary advisory board member of the Lloyd Library. He was drafted into the coalition within weeks of his arrival in Ohio. The year was 1967. So I got here in uh, May of 1967 and started working in September of 67. And it wasn't long after that that I had the opportunity to uh, meet Helen Black. And she actually is the one who introduced me to Elizabeth Broxlogger. And uh, she remained a very close friend through my entire life and her life. And she got me very involved in the Nature Conservancy, which I became the vice chair of for Ohio. I continued that relationship with Helen and Bob Black for uh, all those years. Helen Black a tenacious Vassar graduate who settled in Indian Hill with her husband, made advocating for nature her full-time job. And it was a job in which she excelled. A former Lloyd Library board member, Black was also a founding member of the Cincinnati Nature Center. She served as president of the Ohio Nature Conservancy, as well as on the nonprofit's national board. Helen Black was the person who introduced me to a number of the people in the Cincinnati area. And they were involved in various ways. So I met Richard and Lucille Durrell, and they became close friends. And they had a key play, of course, to the whole park system in Cincinnati being set up. Richard was very influential in that and was probably the person who forced that district to understand the most important thing they could do was buy land. And they bought land, and they had much land before they ever opened it as parks. But he wanted people who were somewhat experts in really new vegetation and could tell them what they had and so forth. So a lot of people they drew upon to, you know, give them information. And eventually I went to a couple of Nature Conservancy meetings, held one of the major meetings at our home here in Oxford, 
at which point I was introduced to a bunch more, and pretty soon they asked me to come on the board of that Nature Conservancy, and I became the vice chair of it at one point. So you see how the recruitment happened. Black, like her friend and Cincinnati public school teacher, Mary Elizabeth Brockschleiger, was as expert in the field as any academic researcher, according to Hardy, who was one of them. But instead of working in academia, these hardcore citizen scientists forged their own paths. And although I was a faculty member and a botany professor, I always have been interested in stepping outside just the university and seeing who the people are who really are the knowledgeable people. So like uh, Elizabeth Brockschlager, who was not, in quotes, a professional botanist, was about as good a field botanist as you could ever possibly meet. She just was extraordinary. I mean, she knew all the plants. That's just the way it was. Both Black and Brockschleiger were acolytes of renowned plant ecologist E. Lucy Brown, whose fierce devotion to the edge was contagious. Brown, who in 1913 became the third woman to earn a Ph.D. from the University of Cincinnati, loved working in the field. She also loved exposing her students to it over the course of more than 40 years teaching botany at her alma mater. For her female students, including Elizabeth Brockschleiger, Brown opened a door into science that extended far beyond the classroom. And as Eschbaugh explains, botany offered a socially acceptable key. If you look at the history of science and look at women in science, there was no real way for them to enter science except through botany. Honestly, I think that they were closed out of the animal world because if they studied zoology, they would be learning things that young ladies shouldn't learn. Brown, who was elected the first female president of the Ecological Society of America, inspired her students to the meticulous study of plants and trees, known as plant ecology. While she relished besting her male peers and always stood firmly behind her botanical beliefs, one of her lasting legacies is the cadre of experts who followed in her footsteps, sometimes quite literally. Eschbaugh explains. So you had this phenomenon of Elizabeth, who was a really, she was, you could say she was an amateur, but truly she was a professional without the credentials, and I've seen that many times. And people didn't pay attention to those people who didn't have credentials. It turns out that coalition became an accepting place for many of the experts who put plants and the survival of their ecosystems first. And, you know, it, it's, it is intriguing if you think about it. Many of the real forces in conservation in Ohio we're not professional scientists. It is fascinating to see the influence of these people. And too often, the academic community excluded people like Elizabeth because she wasn't, in quotes, an academic. But I think in Ohio, there's always been a good fraction of an interface between the academic community and the community that was working for the state government and so forth and trying to make conservation happen here. So there were some very good relationships, and many of those people sat on the Nature Conservancy Board who were from the state political side of the issue and also from the academic side of the issue. If you listen carefully, you can almost hear Eshbaugh describing environmental activism, spurred by both academics and non-academics, what we today call citizen scientists, whose collaborative efforts have been both educational and transformative in Ohio. We have really good non-academic people out there 
arguing on the need for conservation. And you look at these specialized committees that often are doing the, the exotic species, invasive species, they're drawing on both sides of the ledger, academic and the practical people who are out there working. That's part of what made it so interesting being in the state of Ohio is that interface between the academic and the non-academic professionals who really were trying to make a difference in conservation. I mean, for me, that was and You saw that with just that that has continued to this day and it was going on certainly when I came here very much so. In the years that have passed since Brown and Brockschlager, the number of women scientists has grown. And credentialed or not, women botanists and other plant scientists are no longer an anomaly. There are many more people who study in the plant sciences today and get advanced degrees that are women than men. To this day, that is true. And it has come to be that women have now clearly Whereas Lucy was the first person to be a woman elected the president of the Ecological Society of America, now you see most all the society presidencies being dominated by women, or that at least 50% of the presidents become women. Current president of the Botanical Society of America, woman. Current president of the uh, Society for Economic Botany, woman. Brown and her elder sister, Annette, who was the first woman to earn a Ph.D. at the University of Cincinnati, trained new generations of women to see the importance of understanding and preserving the natural world. In southeast Ohio, in Adams County, they found a plant ecologist's paradise. Remember that 20,000 acres? We're sort of at an interface zone between the north and the south. And so you have this whole southern tier of counties ranging all the way from here to Pittsburgh, in which you have many elements that are essentially southern elements, and they just get into Ohio. So that made a very interesting area to study plants. And so Lucy certainly made her reputation of the studies she did in Adams Counties, which is a major interface zone between that south and north interface. I came from the north and new, new, northern Florida, and when I got here, <clears throat> I had to do a lot of learning because this was not something I'd ever seen in Ithaca, New York, where I'd gone to undergraduate school. Elizabeth Brockschlager, friend of Helen Black and longtime teacher of Cincinnati elementary and middle schoolers, shared more than a love of fieldwork and a passion for conservation with Brown. Like her mentor, Brockschlager was also an amazing teacher. According to notes and detailed lesson plans in her collection at the Lloyd Library, and according to her former students, who continued to gather at the Lloyd long after her death. Eschbaugh, who watched Brockschlager in action, offers a first-hand perspective of the greatest gifts that she passed on. She had a gift for engaging people to learn things beyond a level they ever thought they were going to learn them. She could get them totally immersed in what interested her, and so she ended up with a lot of students who just realized that she had sparked something in them that they just didn't know they had. That gift still resonates today in the actions of a new generation of conservationists that now includes academics, museum employees, teachers, community members, landowners, and more. The Nature Conservancy, which E. Lucy Brown helped found and then brought to Ohio in 1958, co-owns and co-manages The Edge with the Cincinnati Museum Center. 
Last fall, the Conservancy opened a new 16-mile section of the Buckeye Trail, connecting the edge's 20,000 acres with Shawnee State Forest's 64,000 acres. Efforts continue to preserve the remaining 6,000 acres that would fully connect Ohio's largest privately owned nature preserve, the edge, with its largest forest, Shawnee State. Somewhere, I think Lucy and Annette Brown, Elizabeth Brockschlager, and Helen Black, and all their friends who made this preservation possible, can't help but smile. Thanks for listening to Between the Leaves at the Lloyd, a monthly podcast of the Lloyd Library and Museum in Cincinnati, Ohio. Interview and story by Elissa Yancey. Audio editing and mixing by Samantha Gatsik. Between the Leaves is launched with support from a PhotoFocus Emergency Art Grant. Want to learn more about the Lloyd and its collections? You can visit online anytime at lloydlibrary.org. 